0: Welcome to Way Church. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, If we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Noah, and I have the honor of serving um, as the lead pastor of Way Church, Uh, the amazing woman that was up here in the red that was talking a few minutes ago. That's my wife, Maddie, and she is the best. Really pumped today because you guys are in for a treat. Uh, Today, One of my best friends in the world is going to be bringing the word. His name is Micah McDonald. And before Micah comes up, I want to just talk about him and his family. And they're going to hate this. So uh, I'm going to try not to look at them until the very end because I also might cry. Um, But this couple has impacted our life in such a dramatic way. I met Micah four and a half years ago. I was on a trip to Israel with a group of pastors and um, a group of leaders from around different parts of the country and the world, and uh, we had assigned bus buddies. Uh, this this uh, Israeli tour guide named Yoav, was like, everybody has to get a bus buddy so that we don't leave anyone behind. I guess they've left people behind. Um, so they paired people up with bus buddies. And every time you got on the bus, there was like 60 of us. You had to see if your bus buddy was there. And then they'd be like, is everyone's bus buddy here? And then if anyone raised their hand, then you know, that's how they kept track of it. You felt like we were in first grade again, but it was awesome. And uh, by the grace of God, my bus buddy was a guy named Micah McDonald. And very quickly, it became clear to me that this is a guy who loves Jesus. Uh, This is a guy who loves the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, this is a guy who God is using in a massive way. Became one of my best friends. Um, Shortly after that, I got to meet his amazing wife, Stephanie, who is here today, one of the most anointed and gifted worship leaders that I have ever in my life um, had the privilege of worshiping Jesus with. She's just uh, absolutely phenomenal. The reason we invited them um, to come is not just because they're amazing and called to what they do, but these people are some of the highest integrity people that you will ever, ever find. Um, They, it's just, It is absolutely um, wild. They recently launched a clothing brand, just to give you a uh, peek into their heart and what they do. They recently launched a clothing brand, and they launched it at an event in Minnesota that I was preaching at. And this event uh, was for students, and this clothing brand that they launched is called Everyone Everywhere, with the mission of getting the gospel to everyone uh, everywhere, because there's 42 percent of the world that currently does not have the gospel in their language. And so they start this clothing brand uh, where every single dollar of the profit is for that cause. And on that weekend, they raised something like $25,000 to give away to getting the gospel into people's hands who can't read it. Um, their life is just one big thing. Uh, altar to the Lord, and um, I truly look at them as big brothers and big sisters, and I would love it right now. This is a couple that has been sewing into Way Church since a year before we launched, praying. He serves on our board here at Way Church. Can we just make them feel so welcome right now in Nashville, Tennessee? Come on, we're trying to get them to move here. Come on, can you just praise God for Michael McDonald?
1: Wow, that was a lot. <laughs> uh, Noah and Maddie, we're so grateful for you guys and so proud of you guys. And I've texted you this before, but there's a Bible verse. Um, I read one chapter in Proverbs a day because a proverb a day keeps the devil away. And uh, every time I come across this verse, I nearly text Noah and Maddie because I literally think of them every single time I read this. Proverbs twenty two eleven says, one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace, will have the king for a friend. And when I think of Noah and Maddie, I think of two people who desire to have a pure heart before the Lord, and they speak with grace, with nearly every person they come in contact with. Now, I don't know how many more monarchies exist in the world today, but there is a unique favor and humility that you guys walk in. Can we honor our lead pastors, Pastor Noah and Maddie herein? Yeah. We love you guys so much, so thankful for you guys. Uh, Here's what I need you to do, okay? I travel across the United States of America. Uh, The last six years, we've been traveling and preaching all over the U.S. Uh, We primarily speak to teenagers. I do this all over the U.S. You are going to thank me for this afterwards. It's one of the coolest things I do everywhere I go. You're going to love this. Here's what I need you to do. Uh, Do not punch your neighbor in the face, okay? Don't hit them. But I need you to put both hands out to your side like this. Both hands. Everybody in the room. You're going to love this. It's amazing. On the count of three, I need you to clap above your head. One, two, three. One two three, one two three. All right, good. Y'all are Minnesota Vikings fans now. Congratulations! Congratulations! I'm a born and raised Minnesota boy. I'm a born and raised Vikings fan. That's what we do in our stadium. It's called the Skull Clap. I had to bring a little northern flavor to Tennessee and let y'all know you're welcome to join the purple. Okay? Born and raised Minnesota boy. This is a picture of my wife, Steph. We met at North Central University in downtown Minneapolis, just celebrated 11 years of marriage, y'all. Let's go. She's here right down front. There she is. Uh, So grateful for Steph. Literally could not do what we feel like God's called me to do if I didn't have Steph as a support. This is a picture of our baby girl Everly, Everly Dawn. Uh, My wife is a worship leader. And she said, Micah, I left some clothes out for our baby. Would you mind dressing our baby this morning and getting her ready for church? I said, how hard is it to dress a baby? It can't be that difficult. So I brought my baby to church dressed like that. I was feeling proud of myself. My baby looks cute. My baby looks good. I'm feeling good. I've never dressed a baby before until my very own right there. And so I bring my baby to church, and there's this group of moms who are staring at my baby. And I go, I know why they're staring at my baby, because I did a good job. And she's cute. Like, she's adorable. And this mom walks up to me, and she goes, did you— um?" Micah, did did you dress your baby this morning? I said, yeah, I did. And she's adorable, isn't she? She goes, Micah, I just need to let you know, when you dress a baby, the first thing you do is put on the onesie and then you put on the pants, okay? Now here's the deal. If you're a man in the audience and you saw nothing wrong with that photo, well, neither did I. Okay. Neither did I. Yes, right there. All right. So I'm still trying to figure this out. This is an updated picture of Everly Dawn. She's in first grade. Uh, There she is. She's here on the front row. And uh, this is a picture of my little boy Malachi. He's down in kids church right now. He's five. And uh, man, my family is everything. Uh, Without them, nothing else matters. And so our family has this unique call to travel all over the U.S. to preach the gospel. In the last six years, we've seen over 20,000 teenagers give their life to Jesus, uh, which is amazing. We can clap for that. That's what this is about. And um, the last thing I'll mention before I get into my message is I wrote my first ever book called Death to Life. And the reason why I titled that is because uh, as a young guy, I saw a lot of death in a short amount of time. Um, I watched my parents' marriage end in divorce after 17 years of marriage. I watched alcohol abuse, I watched drug abuse, I watched affairs destroy my home. I became the man of the house at a young age. I have three younger sisters and life was a train wreck. Within one year of my dad leaving, my eight-year-old sister was diagnosed with stage four cancer and given a 20% chance to live. I have seen a lot of death in a very short amount of time. But here's what I've learned when it comes to following Jesus is death is never the final outcome, but he always brings you from death to life. And if the story's not redeemed, God's not done writing it yet. And so I wrote this to encourage your faith and build the faith of the church. I have some copies under the tent. If you don't want one, no worries. Still would love to meet you. If you're ready for God's word today, say, let's go. go. Today's text is John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And today, I believe your faith is going to be built as we look at someone's life who's been completely transformed by the power, the love, and the grace of Jesus. Her name is Mary Magdalene. Uh, Mary was deeply impacted by Jesus. In fact, she's one of the few whose names in the Bible are actually mentioned more than most disciples' names in the Bible. Mary Magdalene was very important to the gospel writers. Her life was completely transformed. I want to try to bring you into the story to try to place yourself in her shoes to get her perspective and her vantage point. Mary Magdalene was one of the few who actually went to the crucifixion and watched Jesus die. She was also one of the few when Jesus's body was taken off the cross. She followed Joseph of Arimathea to help bury Jesus. She had this unique relationship with Jesus. It was personal. And we get to the text in John chapter 20. For three days, she's been grieving. She's probably been reliving the trauma that she saw with the brutal death of Jesus on the cross. And now we pick up in the story where Mary runs to the tomb, one of the first ones there. And this instance happens between Mary and an angel. And this is what it says in verse 13. They asked her, It's on the screen. Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. She's freaking out. Jesus' body she can't find in the tomb. She's freaking out that the body's missing. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. I have a question. Have you ever cried so hard? Have you ever wept so hard that your eyes are bloodshot? Your eyes might be swollen shut for how hard you've cried. I can imagine Jesus is standing right in front of her, but she has no idea that it's him because she can't even see straight. Because for three days, she's been mourning the person who saved her, who transformed her. She doesn't even recognize that it's Jesus. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, then tell me where, where you've put him. I'll get him. And then Jesus said to her, my favorite part of this whole text, Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. And all it took, all it took was hearing her name from the voice of Jesus that she began to know and know that it was him standing right before her. God wants a relationship with you that's so close that all it takes is you hearing his name from his voice and you know it's him. Jesus, thank you that you came to make it personal. I pray the way church's faith would be built up today. Help us to know the sound of your voice and to make it personal. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. "Amen." The title of my message today is titled, It's Personal. It's personal. How many of you know when it's personal, it hits different, doesn't it? When it's personal, it's different. Some of the greatest joys in life come because it's personal with somebody else. And I would also make the argument that some of the greatest tragedies and sorrows a human can experience also comes from a result of it being personal. All I have to do possibly to reignite some flames or a smile to your face is mention the word thanksgiving because some of y'all either dreaded being there because of something personal that happened years ago, or some of y'all loved it because it was finally personal again for the people you love. It just hits different when it's personal, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know if there's any dads in the room and you have a daughter, okay? Uh, That father-daughter relationship, it's a dangerous one, okay? It's dangerous, because here's why. All the little girl needs to do all the little girl needs to do is give her dad puppy dog eyes and the dad is completely submissive to the little girl. Just gives her everything. And the dads are saying that's right in the room cause that's them, they know what I'm talking about. This girl that just gives her dad these little puppy dog eyes and then it's all over. Whatever she wants, she can have. Noah's gonna experience this once Mila can start talking. It's gonna be game over for Noah. Why? Because it's personal, we were at a pool, an outdoor pool in Minnesota, and our cousins were there. So a big group of kids, and uh, this is a picture of Everly, uh, her and I at the pool to prove I'm not lying. Uh, that's Ev, and she comes up to me, gives me these puppy dog eyes. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, what is she going to say? And she goes, Dad? I go, yeah, what's up, Ev? Um, Dad? Yeah, what, what do you need, hon? Um, can I have your credit card, Dad? And I'm just like, oh, don't, no, 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 don't do this. No, 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 just just stop now. Please stop. And I go, well, what what do you you need the credit card for? Well, Dad, I want to go get a Popsicle, Dad. And I go, well, do you want the van keys too while you're at it? Do you want my retirement account too? Do you want our 401k plan too? You can ask for anything because you can have it. Why? Because it's personal. And so I give her my credit card. Yes, you can have it. And then what I didn't know is what was going to happen next. And out loud, she yells, hey, who wants popsicles? I'm buying. Who wants some popsicles? And all the cousins line up behind her and follow her up to go pay for popsicles. Dad paid for everyone's popsicles at the pool, y'all. Why did it not bother me? It's because it's personal. I think if we're all really honest in the room, Every single person to ever have breath in their lungs in this earth has desperately desired for it to be personal. I think every person in attendance today has desperately wants to be seen, wants to be loved, and wants it to be personal too. It's something that marks every human ever born. This longing for it to be personal. I think some instances help us see this. Um, They interviewed the son of a sitting U.S. president. They interviewed the son, I'm not talking about Hunter Biden, this is a previous president, but I'm talking about an interview that took place with the president's boy, and they asked him this question. What's it like to be the son of a sitting U.S. president? I was expecting some of the most amazing answers. Um, I get my own chef. Whatever I want, whenever I I get Air Force One to go play basketball with Braun, whenever I want, I'm expecting all these amazing answers. And you know what this boy says in response to this question, what's it like to be the son of a sitting U.S. president? I'll never forget when he says this. He said this, I have spent countless hours with the most powerful man in the world, but had no idea who he really was. I never knew my father. Nobody knew my father. And when I hear those words, you know what I hear from a young boy's heart? I hear from a young man's heart a cry for it to be personal with his dad. And this young kid doesn't give a rip on what his dad does. The young kid doesn't give a rip on how famous his dad is. Doesn't give a rip on any of that. Here is a young man who's crying out for his father's love for it to be personal or what about this instance a world-renowned atheist her name Madeline Marie O'Hare you want to know what compelled her to be a world-renowned atheist she dropped her high school kid off at public school in Baltimore when she dropped him off she heard the school praying to Jesus in a public school she had no idea that they prayed to Jesus in a public school so she calls the school saying why are you praying in a classroom Uh, ma'am we've been doing this for years It bothered her so much that she ended up taking a case to the Supreme Court and ruling out prayer to never be allowed in public schools ever again. And this woman got lobbyists, got millions of dollars and became famous as a spokesperson, how God isn't real and how being an atheist is the way to go because God's not real. There's no way you should believe in. So anything that had to do with God, she made it her mission to try to wipe it out. You know, what's crazy is when Madeleine Marie O'Hare passed away in 1995, they found some of her personal diaries and personal journals. They auctioned them off online for thousands of dollars. You want to know what they found inside of her personal journals repeated over and over and over? This is what she writes all over her journal. Will somebody please love me? Will somebody please love me? Will somebody please love me? Will anybody love me? She had all the money. She had all the fame. She had all this world had to offer, including a growing influence. And here she is writing in her journal. Will somebody please love me? And all the while, there's a savior named Jesus who sang, Madeline, I love you. I love you, I love you Madeline. Madeline, I love you. And she spent her whole life denying the very voice of love, denying the very voice of Jesus. I wonder how many people in the world today are still writing the word secretly. Will somebody please love me? The longing inside of every human to ever live. Will there be anyone who loves me even at my worst? Will there be anyone who loves me that when they see the scars, they still want me? Will somebody please love me? How many people are in the city of Nashville right now who are waking up hungover, and they're asking the question, will somebody actually please love me? There was a young woman, a young adult female, where a majority of her life was battling chronic mental illness, battled major mental health problems. Her parents spent all this kind of money to set her free from her mental issues people in society began to find out how crazy she was, wanted nothing to do with her, quickly became an outcast in society. And everyone pegged her as the crazy lady. Yeah, her, stay away from her. Yeah, her parents, they done everything. Went to all the therapists, all the psychologists, all the counselors, done all the medicine, nothing, no cure. Mentally distraught. This was her life. Until one day, there was someone who came to make it personal with her. And he wasn't scared off by her disease. He wasn't scared off by her mental issues. He wasn't scared off by the crazy lady everyone knew her as. But there was someone who stepped into her life who had the power and the authority to change her from the inside out. And for the first time, a young woman by the name of Mary Magdalene heard the voice of Jesus and casted out seven demons from her life. And for the first time, she felt freedom For the first time she felt peace for the first time. She experienced a voice that didn't judge her, that didn't condemn her, but she heard a voice that pierced through the darkness, transformed her, saved her and gave her a brand new life and a brand new start. That's what Jesus does. We can give it up for Jesus. Y'all. That's who he is. He came to make it Personal came to make it personal and know what I love I love what scripture has to say about Mary Magdalene when she's life her life's completely transformed it became personal between her and Jesus there's a couple things that happens when it becomes personal with Jesus number one is this if you're taking notes is when it's personal you're fully committed you're fully committed like there's no other option like like there's no other way Like when Jesus becomes Lord of your life and you taste and see that it's not a dry turkey, but it's the real thing. When you taste and see that commitment is no longer an issue because you are all in and you're fully committed. Know what it says about Mary in the text in John chapter 20, verse one. It's on the screen. John chapter 20, verse one says this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Time out right there. Do you realize the reason why it took Mary so long to get to the tomb? It's because all Jews take Sabbath off. They're not allowed to go anywhere. You know what that meant? That meant when Mary had the first chance to go visit the tomb, The very first chance. It says, while it was still dark. Know what a lot of Bible scholars say? They say that the fact that Mary went while it was still dark meant this, that she had to memorize the footsteps and the path to get to the very tomb where Jesus was. Know what that shows me? A woman who was fully committed to be near her Savior. Why? Because it was deeply personal for Mary Magdalene. And when it's personal, commitment issues are no longer a thing in your life. When it's personal, guess what? You can't wait to show up to Way Church. Because when you're here, you're part of the family of God. You're part of the presence of Jesus. You're a contributor. You're no longer a consumer. When it's personal, it becomes, man, I can't wait to get to church. I know my week has been like craziness, but I can't wait to be a part of what God's doing in his church. You have a deep passion for the church, and now it's no longer complaining about the experience. Now you can't wait to show up and be a part of things. There's a need with kids, sign me up, I'll do it. There's a need to greet, sign me up, I'll do it. There's a need to serve, sign me up, I'll do it. Why? Because when you've tasted and seen the real thing, commitment issues are no longer a thing in your life. Because it's personal. It's personal. Know what I love is in Luke 8, there's a list of female names that are mentioned in the text. You know who's at the top of that list? It says there were women who supported Jesus and his traveling ministry. And Mary Magdalene was at the top of the list. And it says these women gave out of their own means to support Jesus's ministry. Know what this tells me? Mary Magdalene wasn't radically saved and transformed and then said, bet, I got my healing, I'm good. I'll just go do what I want. No, she received her healing, but then she became fully committed of her time, her money, her resources, her gifting, and she spent it supporting Jesus. Can I just tell you the same story Mary Magdalene had is the same story we're called to. We support out of our means of what God's given us, For his kingdom. Why? Because it's personal. Know what I've always said? I've always said, you want to find out if your faith is real or not? Then go live in a country where they kill Christians for believing in Jesus. And then we will quickly find out if our faith is real or not because know what we don't see as we sit in Nashville right here today is the amount of brothers and sisters believers around the world that are waking up and their husbands are killed because they won't bow to a different God their families are mutilated because they won't stop serving Jesus a pastor friend of mine pastors in Iran you know where the fastest growing church in the world is today Iran the underground church is exploding know what my pastor friend said in America He flew to America to talk to a room full of pastors and this is what he said. Right now in Iran, I have a bounty for my head. If I fly back to Iran, I may die within a couple weeks. But just know this, if you ever hear of me dying, just know I never died silently, but I went publicly committing myself to Jesus. You wanna know how you can say that with conviction in a microphone? It's because it becomes so personal to you that death is considered a gain because of the eternity you get to spend with Jesus. This man flew back to Iran and within two weeks he was murdered and he was killed for his faith. And I know this for a fact, my friend did not die silently, but he went down proclaiming how amazing Jesus is. When it's personal, you're fully committed. And then number two, when it's personal, you know his voice. You know his voice. I love Jesus so much. And I love how he set this whole thing up. Do you realize the very first time Jesus ever publicly said he was the Savior of the world wasn't to a big audience, wasn't in front of thousands of people? Do you realize the very first time Jesus ever said he was the Savior of the world was to one woman at a well who had a messed up past of sleeping with different guys? You know what that communicates to me about Jesus? Is he'll do anything to make it personal, even for just one person. And then do you realize the very first person Jesus ever appears to ever after his resurrection, you know when it is? Mary Magdalene, a woman with a messed up past, that he saved and set free. And now he steps into Mary's life. Mary can't think straight. Mary can't even see correctly. Jesus is standing right in front of her, her eyes bloodshot, her eyes swollen shut from weeping of three days straight from the grief. And all it takes for Mary, all it takes, Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary, can I just tell you I can be down the block. And if my boy goes, Dad, I can hear my son's voice from a far distance because it's personal and I know the sound of his voice. Mary knew the voice of Jesus. And all it took was for Jesus to say, Mary, do you know his voice? Know what John 10 says, the same gospel I'm preaching from? It says, my sheep know my voice, and they will never follow the voice of a stranger. We were called as followers of Jesus, not to be doers necessarily, but to be people who know how to be with the voice of Jesus. And you're like, oh, this is great. I'm tracking with you, but here's the deal. I don't know the voice of Jesus. All you need to do to know the voice of Jesus is open up the very Bible. He inspired, he oversaw, and he God breathed for your life. Because when you open the Bible, you begin to understand the character of God. And when you know the character of God, now the voice or the promptings you feel from the Holy Spirit will always line up with his character and what he's already said and written in his word. So how do you know his voice? Spend time in his Bible. Spend time in his word. You begin to watch the Holy Spirit speak to you. There's something I'll never forget. When my wife was first pregnant with our firstborn, this guy, like this older guy in our church comes up to me. He goes, Micah, I got to tell you something. You got to do something. I said, what's going on? He goes, every night before you fall asleep, talk to your wife's belly and talk to your baby. I said, sir, I am not going to talk to my wife's stomach. That's just weird. Like that's, I can't imagine that. That's just kind of a weird thing. He goes, no, 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 just do it. Do it, because here's why. Your baby will know and hear your voice. Talk to your baby. So in the evenings, I go to my wife's belly. Hey, Everly, it's Dad. I love you. I'm so proud of you, Ev. Mom and I are so proud of you. We love you so much. And then came the moment where my little girl was born for the first time. And here's a picture on the screen. This is Everly Dawn. And the doctor grabs the baby and brings Everly over to a scale to do all these tests. And her body is laying on the scale, her naked body. And she's screaming. How babies do when they come out of the womb, they scream. She's screaming. And I stand up and I peer over the doctor's shoulder. And I just go, Everly, hey, Ev, it's dad. And immediately she stops crying immediately the screaming stops why because she heard the voice of her father do you realize mary was panicking mary was freaking out until she heard the voice of her heavenly father and he goes mary mary you see when it's personal you know his voice It's his voice that guides. It's his voice that leads. It's that small, still voice in your heart. Don't go there. Hey, don't go to this party anymore. It's that small, still voice. Hey, you don't deserve to be treated like that. Hey, you're royalty. Hey, your body was purchased at a price. Christ paid for this. You don't have to do this anymore. Sin doesn't have to be your friend anymore. You don't have to walk this way anymore. You don't have to go there anymore. There's something better for you. It's that small still voice that's leading you, that's prompting you, that's guiding your life. Why? Because when it's personal, you know his voice. Every time I preach, I tell every church something called the big so what. What's the point of this passage? What's the point of the sermon? What's the point of all of this? Here's the big so what for today. It's this, it's on the screen. The big so what is this? Is when it's personal. It becomes really purposeful when it's personal purpose is no longer a question purpose flows out of how personal it is with jesus you know what i love about jesus is mary freaks out she goes rabbi means teacher she's freaking out because she knows jesus is there the resurrected savior of the world and then know what jesus tells her to do in verse 17 jesus said don't hold on to me For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. In other words, in a moment, Mary went from grief to being a proclaimer. Mary went from sorrow to being filled with joy with the greatest news to preach of all time. Do you realize who was the first person to ever preach the full gospel message? The first person to ever preach the full gospel message was a woman with a jacked up past, Mary Magdalene, who proclaimed that I saw Jesus die and now he's resurrected three days later. You got to see him too. He's alive. Our God's not dead anymore. He's alive. Why? Because when it's personal, it becomes really purposeful. God's put a purpose on Way Church to see the blind healed, to see the outcast taken in, to see the widow taken care of, the fatherless defended, to see the good news proclaimed to Nashville. There's a purpose on Way Church, and there is every single one of us in the room who has a purpose to play. If there's breath in your lungs, there's a purpose for you being alive. And it's to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. It's to walk in step with Jesus and for it to become really personal between you and Jesus. because Then it gets really purposeful. And now it's not what can I get. Now it's I can't wait to give. I can't wait to be a part. I can't wait to show up and help. Let's do something. It becomes really purposeful. It's possible you walked in the room today and you actually can identify and relate more with an atheist who's penning out, will somebody please love me? Will somebody please love me? Will somebody please love me? And I came here to tell you today, there's someone who's speaking over your life, whether you know it or not, who's saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. you. I love you, and you don't have to wonder anymore if somebody will love you because God so loved you, and He came to make it personal that whoever would believe in Jesus wouldn't perish but have everlasting life not one day in eternity, but here on this earth right now. Jesus loves you so much, and He came to make it personal with your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed in the room, no one looking around. The greatest decision you can ever make is not what you can build through your life. The greatest decision you can ever make is actually through surrender to the one who came to make it personal. Surrendering to Jesus. Surrendering to the love of Jesus. I don't care what you've done. God doesn't care how far you are from him. God just wants you right now. God desires a personal relationship right now. If you're here and you're in a dark place, if you're here and you're far from Jesus and you're saying, hey, I want to make it personal today, would you just put up a hand wherever you are saying, hey, I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to make it personal with Jesus. Just put up a hand wherever you are. I want to give my life. No one looking around. So cool. So awesome. Praise God. I just want our church to pray together with me. Everyone together just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me and making it personal forgive me of my sins I receive your love I receive your forgiveness help me to make it personal too help me to follow you all the days of my life thank you for a new purpose and a new start in Jesus in Jesus name I pray